Welcome to Three Devs and a Maybe, the podcast series for beginner web developers and general web enthusiasts. Now, introducing your show hosts Michael Budd, Fraser Hart, Lewis Keynes, and Ed Mann. Hello and welcome to another episode of Three Devs and a Maybe. My name's Ed Mann and today we are joined by, uh, well, recurring guest, uh, Joe Watkins. How you doing, Joe? Hi, Ed. Hi, everyone. <laughs> it feels like ages since you've last been on the show. It must have been like a, at least a couple of months. Yeah, it's been, yeah, it's been a... Yeah, because we, we, we had a bit of a stage where we were doing quite a few screencasts and stuff, which, I, again, I still want to get back into. I need to kind of, we need to work out some time maybe that we can do those, but I'm sure you've been busy as anything yeah, I have. Yeah, not a problem, Matt. But well, anyway, so how are things going though, man? What's 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 going on in the life of Joe at the moment? Well, pretty good. Um, PHP seven's like literally at the end of the month or next month or whatever. It's I think at the end of this month or yeah, the twenty sixth. I think it's coming out. Um, yeah, because it's an RC seven now, isn't it? If I'm right, thinking. Yeah, and I think on the twenty sixth is going to be the first. Uh, that's going to be seven point zero point zero. Wow! And and because I know that it had been postponed because it was originally for November twelfth. Um, yeah. So what, were you behind that kind of decision as well to say, look, let's leave it, or was that the project maintain like the? No, 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 no. That is actually the project managers. That's entirely down to them. And good decision. I mean, um, there was um, an outstanding bug, or maybe more than one actually, but there was one ma- major outstanding bug that was. Uh, kind of a roadblock and then when something like that comes up you think oh well you know maybe we ought to hold we, we ought to hold off a bit and it kind of took the wind out of the sails i think but that needed to be done i suppose slow down a bit and give it because yeah, it seems like it was just full steam ahead on php 7 but i mean this is what happens in any software development big yeah. or small you're going to get these i mean what was that do you know what the actual bug was then that was causing kind of the roadblock um if i remember rightly it was um connected to garbage collection um, I'm not exactly sure um, what it was, but I'll give you I'll give you a link to it so you can put it. in. Yeah, the sh- that'd be awesome. It was, a, it was quite a complicated one, and it had all the it had all the like um, Zen guys and Nikki and um, you know people that work on the engine uh, trying to trying to figure it out. It wasn't just one of these things like a typo or something simple. It was a proper. It was a fundamental flaw that could yeah, yeah. be a pain. Um, and and so yeah that. That that was what caused the uh, release managers really to postpone. Um, well, no, I think that's good on them. I think a lot, there was a lot of praise in the community, wasn't there? And I think quite rightly yeah. so for doing that. You know, like saying, well, at least you know you, you're striving for a you know good quality as opposed yeah. to quantity and like you know early release. I think it rather amazing that there was any response from the community at all because um, in the same position when PHP five came out and it was taken over from PHP four, people didn't care. The community didn't. You didn't get feedback from the community. I mean, there had to be like a whole effort to get people to. Yeah, the, the whole go five, five go PHP yeah. five thing. And that's just not happening with PHP seven. I mean, people are itching to get their hands on it. Everyone is itching to get their hands on it. The people that run the servers, because it's cutting their costs by by you know measurable amounts of money. And uh, so, um, yeah, I mean. The, the, the amount of testers that we've got now on seven, like the, the amount of feedback we're getting on seven, is just way beyond what what we got for five. It was basically for five. It was only basically internals doing the testing, and then and then it got released, and still it was really only internals using it, and then there had to be a whole effort. But 
um, because there's quite a few, there's a few big name hosts that have got the option to use PHP 7 release candidates already. See, that is crazy good. I mean, yeah. that is redonk. I mean, the thing is, is, that's interesting you mentioned that. Like, what do you think then? Like, why is the, it shifted? Well, because it's only been, well, since PHP 5 came out in 09? No, 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 not 09, sorry. It got back in, like, what is it, 05-ish? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's, that sounds about right. You'd have yeah, to... 09 was 5.3. That was when it like solidified it as... Yeah. Um, I think I think um, what's changed is PHP 5 was an improvement for us, but it wasn't really an improvement for people that pay for the servers, that people that, you know, DevOps and, and um, server admin. Yeah, it, it wasn't going to... Yeah, exactly. It wasn't helping them. It was just yeah, helping the it developer. Wasn't gonna make their network yeah. simpler. It wasn't going to need less nodes it wasn't going to be it wasn't going to give them anything so i think that that's that's one major difference i mean again php 7 is much better for us but it's also but the only difference is it's got the same kind of improvements that five had over four only for this kind of decade but but the only difference is that now it actually performs much faster whereas that wasn't so much the case with with five i mean it was more complex so some things were slower i mean and that, and that's it. DevOps people obviously wouldn't look. Yeah, are going to be looking at. Okay, well, this is actually going to make me my life better as well. So that's yeah. Exactly. So I think that's. I think I think that's what's what what has caused some of these major names to already start letting people run RCs because they can see that um, that's going to cost. cost. And, and do you feel like the shift is kind of in people trying to keep up to date now, as opposed to staying with what tried and true? You know, like. You know, like the whole shift with PHP 7 is, you know, I, I suppose like in general, kind of trying to update. I think, I think um, the the kinds of people that use, the majority of people that use PHP are actually using shared hosting. So they don't really have a decision. Yeah, they don't have an influence on it, do they? Yeah. They, they've just got, the only decision they've got to make is what host to use. But once they've chosen a host, they don't get to make any decisions beyond that. So, um, I think the thing, I think the thing that, that it drives it has got to be the adoption by shared, it's got to be the adoption by shared companies. I mean, uh, by shared hosting, um, companies and platforms. Um, although it is true that it is much easier to, update it yourself um, now. I mean, almost everyone installs it as a binary from their repository, so they can just up, they can just upgrade it and all That's the it, yeah. for them. But um, I don't think that actually accounts for the majority of users. Um, it, I think it's mostly shared hosting, so it's what share, share, they lead they lead the way sort of thing for adoption for adoption rates so it isn't it's funny how we do live in a bubble of this <laughs> idea that you know we assume oh yeah no one uses shared hosting anymore but as you say php's yeah, main primary use case is still is still shared hosting yeah i mean we try to cater for everything that's it's very difficult to do but that's that's what we we try and do in the majority of installs that is accounted for by by shared hosting I mean, the majority of the noise that you hear is accounted for by <laughs> the, another sector of... That's the, absolutely but, it, yeah. But, but um, the, the majority of the activity is actually not, not really there. Sorry. 
no, yeah, that's re- that's really interesting. And, and and I was just wondering, like the PHP team themselves, the core uh, and the project managers, like release managers, do they deal with the whole packaging things up for like you know distributors uh, like Debian, or, do, or they have to just wait for them to do that job? No, we have a we have a Windows team, um, and they've got their own build system and hardware and um, people and um, well, they're not their own people. I mean, they work they work on. Um, the Windows and QA and stuff, but other than Windows, we don't we don't do binaries. Uh, it's too complicated. So you let so then that's left for uh, like the uh, you know these packages. There are people that do this. There are people that do it for like a job. Do you know yep. what I mean? They're, and and they're the people that are best qualified to do it. The package, the package management. There are people that spend all their time doing that and. Uh, it's really complicated, so I can imagine. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I was saying that. I mean, we we did a very bad, I mean, again self plug from both of us here with the uh, podcast, with well, the screencast we did a while back. You know, on discuss discussing, you know, compiling PHP from source, and you know, I mean, you can do that if you want, you know, to get the best, you know, from it performance of it. But as you say, it's nice to have a tried and true package that someone who's, you know, their job is to build these packages up, yeah, you know, and provide the best configuration. I mean, no one's got. No, hardly anyone's got um, one server. Do you know what I mean? So it's easier to upgrade if you've got a, a farm or even just a few servers. It's easier to just upgrade with the repository rather than doing it on one and then an hour later being able to do it on another. And then Absolutely. And, and so you, so what I'm assuming, like you know, once seven comes out, you then do, the the team PHP team has no like say in when this is available, released. You know, on these package managers, you just have to wait. For yeah. them to pick it up, which again yeah, can be a bit of a pain. Already, they're already they're already packaging RCs. I mean, it will be available on the day on the day that it's. That's uh, brilliant. Tagged, yeah. I, I wouldn't really recommend. I mean, as with any bit of software, you don't really want to deploy something that's got a zero point zero version number because uh, stuff's going to bite you, and yeah. um, it's going to it's going to come out, but you don't re- well. I mean, use it, test it, but don't actually deploy it. Get it, get it into your integrate it into your kind of workflow so that you're testing it with your current version of PHP, uh, so that you can find regressions. But but don't um, actually deploy it until either there's really good feedback from the community or or the first round of nasty bugs are found. I mean, we might have already found them, but um, people don't usually deploy version zero. That's usually yeah. you always wait for version uh, point one. Wait yeah. for the dot one release. You know, I say iron out all the major kinks and and that's one actually. What are you what are you planning to do? And because you, your day job is you run a you know PHP stack, um, yeah. and you're using probably what five three uh, at the moment. Six. Five uh, five six. Sorry, yeah. Why five three? I was saying five three five six at the moment. Uh, just wonder what what are you going to be doing on the seven route? Then are you signed? Are you again like set up a server for regression or at the moment, or are you just going to? Haven't done it yet because um, we're waiting for um, me. <laughs> uh, I haven't finished UOPS yet. It's still got a couple of problems, so um, they're they're waiting for me. But 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 what we'll do? What I just said, we'll. Um, Integrate PHP seven into the work into the workflow into the testing workflow so that it gets tested alongside five six and then uh, once we're sure that there is no problems we'll we'll uh, just deploy. Uh, but That's it awesome. Probably won't be on zero point zero, and I don't do any of that. We've got like guys for that, um, like actually in the in the in the work in the office attached to the data center. So we we don't um 
we don't we don't even log into the service to do any of that. I'm allowed to tell them how to do it, but um, that's it. I don't actually do it myself. Let them let them do it, get their hands dirty with that. Yeah, I just <laughs> I just give them like the configure line. Yep. So to tell them what to build and what to build, shared and that, and then they just do it. They do. It. That's cool. And uh, so, what? How is uh, UOPS going then? Because that—that's because I know you've, you on the last podcast we were talking about P threads and how that had been successfully moved over to PHP seven, uh, yeah. compatible with that. And now UOPS. So, how, what's the progress like on that? Well, it's there's one failing test, but I was, fa- I was waiting for the but. I was waiting for the but. I was thinking one failing test. That's great, and then but. <laughs> um, but the failing test is. But there's only one failing test in my test suite. When I try to actually run a. a a full test suite with it, it totally crashes. Um, there's a problem. There's a problem with copying strings, and I know what it is, but I just haven't had the morning yet to. Well, I've sat down a few mornings and tried to work it out a few ways, and worked out by doing that what what the problem is and how to fix it. But I haven't actually come up with a new solution yet, so I just haven't done it. That's <laughs> oh, right. So you just you just. I mean, it is it is possible then. So there's nothing that oh, you've yeah. been able to like beat well, your head. You know, like kind of cross with what's going on. I mean, it is possible, but there is actually a kind of flaw in, in the idea. Um, there is actually a flaw in the idea because of the way that functions are cached. The way that function, the actual function entry is cached when it's called. Um, when it's called at first, in, 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 say inside um, the body of a, of a function, you've got the call to foo. The first time, say you've got it twice, just foo and then foo. The first time, um, the engine will have to do a hash table lookup for the function entry by name. So then the second time, and then it caches the result. So then the second time, it doesn't have to do the lookup. So um, the problem is that you can't. I can't change these caches from UOPS, and I can't. Ch- you don't want to change the way that caching works. And um, you don't want to like disable it or anything drastic like that. And the problem is that it only re- it only really works, say, to override a function, which is like one of the main features of UOPS. It only works if you do it before you've called the function, because if you call the function, you then already have the cached version. Can't change the cache. So there is a kind of a flaw. There is a kind of a flaw in it. Um, now. I knew about this, but it just never occurred to me that anyone would use it like that. And then someone opened a bug, and I was like, "Yeah, I know, I know about this, but I, uh, I'll try and look for a way around it." But I don't think there is a way around. So this it. is this is a flaw that's been there all the time. Then yeah, so it's not you know I mean it's not a flaw as only for PHP seven. It's just like a way it uses. Yeah. No, it's always been there. Yeah, I mean, five five caches functions as well. Um, but the, the way it's kind of intended to be used is you kind of. Modify the environment, run your tests, and restore the environment. That's what I would assume. Yeah, because it's interesting. What was the use case then that they'd shown? Like, was it about like? It, it, there wasn't one. There was just code that called a function, then replaced it. Ah, uh, so it's just then like called it again. Yeah, and he was surprised that it wasn't. It, it didn't call the replaced function. Um, and I suppose rightly so in a way. But I kind of I knew it was like that, so I wouldn't have expected it to work. But um, yeah, he opened a bug for it and. That's that's probably the only um. It's it's a str- as you say it's a strange one to want you know the the, the yeah. kind of use case of wanting but as you I suppose the way that the API is built is it can, you can use it in that way. Maybe it would be better to maybe it would be better to if you try to replace a function that's already been cached 
Yeah, say that's uh, it exactly. Yeah, that, throw and that, say you can't. It, it, it would in, it would involve overhead, and it might not be worth it, and it might just be better to say, "Well, no, use it as intended." Um, it's meant to be used in unit tests, and like you, you know, the unit, t- the test, the test case, the uh, PHP unit yep. framework test case has got like a set up before class and tear down after class, um, like hooks, and that's what it's that's what it's intended for unit testing. You're meant to uh, modify the environment, run tests, then restore it, and that's how it's meant to work. And it is quite an advanced library. I mean, it's not something yeah. that you're going to be using day to day. You know, yeah, in... you're not going to. I mean, there's a couple of fu- like the U- the composure function's quite cool, and some people have said, "Oh, we should we should have that. We should have that in the core." But I I don't know. But no, you don't not you don't want to take it to production. It's a testing thing. And that's what it's meant to be for. There was a whole... compose uh, one, you know, building up new classes ba- yeah. based on, uh, yeah, yeah, based on just a list of um, like interfaces and traits and and uh, uh, an array of functions and properties and stuff. Um, it was just it was it was so that um, so that we didn't have to keep hitting autoloaders and, and create weird name files and that for tests for um, really really. Not very nice code, <laughs> and, uh, but but it's well, legacy code, and, and it, this is the thing, you know, this is solving a, a problem. I want to get my test, system under test that's legacy. So, and I'm actually, I'm not even sure if we actually did use it in the end, but it was like um, we were bra- we were brainstorming what things we um, what things might make it easier, and while I was writing UOPS, everyone else was, you know, trying to write the tests, and they might have found other ways. I'm not sure if we actually use it now. I don't think we do. Because um, <laughs> we, we, you know, we were in the process of uh, taking legacy and trying to make it modern. So at first, I think we did use it, and now we've we've made it so that we don't have to. But it was so that you could override the um, fetch class and new opcodes, and then compose a class on the fly. Just if that opcode was hit, requesting a class that the autoloader couldn't load, or that you you wanted to mock some some fancy way. Um, that's probably, but that's probably the only one of the functions that you you might you might write something that's based on that. But anything else, it's just for testing. There was a whole thing on. I, I just happened to search for UOPS on Twitter, and I saw loads of people saying, "Oh, this is why we hate PHP," and then link into the UOPS overload function. What? Yeah, yeah, I really did. Uh, uh, did, they give any other, did they give you any other content, any other reason other than this is why we hate PHP? Oh, there's loads of them. Search UOPS Overload on Twitter. There's, lo- there's loads of them. Um, oh, this is why we hate PHP, and uh, uh, I can't think of a reason why you'd want to do this, and all that kind of thing, and just totally missing the point. Totally, totally missing the point. It was, it's already been, it was already possible. Um, the reason it existed at first was just to overload exit. Because you don't want your test suite. That's it. Calling, yeah. yeah, legacy code base that uses exit. You don't want it, yeah. yeah, to. You don't really, really want, want it to, to die get halfway through a code, uh, halfway through a unit test because you can't carry on. So um, uh, that that's why it existed. And then once we'd done that, we realised well, actually, we could overload a few others, like um, ones that um, load classes that would hit the autoloader, 
um, and then we could use that to compose classes on the fly, and it kind of grew up like that. But it wasn't like a, this is a thing that you're meant to write frameworks around and, <laughs> and, and base components off of. It was just a, this is a hack that might be useful for writing tests. Yeah, this is a hack that's going to help you with code that you've already got, you know, yeah. that's, again, because, like, I mean, that's the thing, in your, you know, your use case, you know, your problem domain there was, you know, I have a legacy code base that I need to get under test, and I can't change, you know, it's unfeasible to say, let's just change the whole, you know, code base. Yeah, I mean, let's, eventually, that's what you're aiming towards. Yeah, absolutely. On the day, when, you, when, when you're given the task of this code needs testing, then the code needs testing, you can't. You can't start by changing. You can't just say, okay, give me uh, six months now and don't use, yeah. you know, and I'll, I'll give you a new code. But that never works anyway. It's better also, to do slow refactor loops. You can't, swap one, you can't swap one set of untested but working code for code that's tested but isn't proven. Yep. It just doesn't make sense. You, you do it bit by bit. You don't, you don't take the risk, like a, for, for the business, you don't take the risk of swapping one code base for another. No one does that. Um, they, they upgrade it bit by bit. Um, cause that's the most sensitive. There are plenty of stories out there, horror stories, you know, of, of people trying to build from, you know, from Greenfield, you know, mm. and, and failing. The best know. ones probably come from, um, the, the video game development sector where, where you've, um, you've got people trying to rewrite engines and taking literally decades to rewrite engines from scratch. You know, like, um, I think it's called Unreal or one of them. All um, right. There's a whole thing. There was a whole thing about it. It's like really famous in the game development. Oh, I'll put the, try and find that and put it in the show notes. That's interesting. Get, yeah, I mean that's it. You know, try and spending decades, and and that's understandable. You just go down the rabbit hole and yeah. you just keep going. And and yeah, it just never ends. It never ends. And people come along and they fund it, and then more companies fund it, and it just goes bust. It never finishes. So you can't write code like that. Everything about um, <coughs> everything about. The development of big projects just prohib- prohibits you from throwing everything away and starting Absolutely. again. Yeah, it's just you can't tell your investors that you can't tell. You know, yeah. the, there's no va- there's not the, there's not value in that. No. Um, and, and actually, so so we we just we touched upon a bit about uh, p threads, and I was just wondering because one of the things actually we did talk about the last podcast was uh, the polyfill or the concept of a polyfill, and then eventually you re- released a blog post on it, and also. Uh, or so you sorry, you, someone was speaking about uh, the idea of a polyfill in a uh, in a GitHub uh, chat with you, and then yeah. you built this polyfill. I'm just wondering how did that you know go? Was it, it has it been you got good traction? Oh, I don't know really. I, I I don't know. I haven't checked. Um, um, it's it's out there. Um, it's on Composer, but I think most people that use um, most people that use Pthreads don't actually use Packer or Composer. They just download the code from GitHub. Um. Because a couple of the big projects that use it have got like their own build script, if that makes sense. Like they they bundle their own version of PHP and stuff, so they put everything in from source and then set it up and then bundle that like environment. Uh, they they distribute that environment, so um, that's where most of the activity comes from, like on a, on a, on a big scale. Is that where you see it in the issues and the pull requests yeah, and things? Yeah, that kind of they're, use case. They're the people that ask the most questions <laughs> and like that. Um, but, um, yeah, it's out there. Um, no, it's a really clever idea. I mean, for the audience, essentially what it was was that, you know, P3, it's similar to like you have a JavaScript polyfill or something, you know, where you've got this bit of implementation. Well, th- this kind of is, it is kind of a different in polyfill. Well, I suppose it is a polyfill in, in the true sense of a polyfill because it's, you know, the feature, if the feature's there, it will use that one. Else it will degrade gracefully and use other means. Yeah. To achieve the same thing. 
Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's um, a, a, a polyfill for P-threads, because just like a, a polyfill for JavaScript, that that's it. Because it hasn't got support, your PHP environment might not be able to actually load the P-threads library. And so... Um, and this will keep it working. This yeah. will, this will, you know, and, and like you said, you could then say, you know, the great thing about this will be able to benchmark, okay, do, does your code need this? Because yeah. you'll be able to write it using this. And I think it's a great learning tool as yeah. well. For that, yeah, for that as well. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know if there are that many people that are out to learn that kind of thing. Um, one bloke wrote a, quite a good blog post on it. Um, I don't know if you saw it on Reddit called Thread Carefully. Oh, yes, actually, I did. That was a really good read. Yeah, it was a good read. Most of it was right as well. I was really quite surprised. So <laughs> you were waiting to pick colours thinking, oh, no, he's going to say something. No, actually, it's good. stuff wrong, and I, and I did send him a little little um, gist and that of um, changes I would make and asked him if he was interested in writing one for PHP 7 because I, I find it difficult to write about it because I don't know what people want to hear. I don't know how they want because you're so you you're so deep in the you know obviously yeah, the problem it's space difficult. it's hard it, to see it yeah yeah it's really difficult to know where to start and what what way to go and what people don't understand um, or what's difficult to understand if you don't already know it um, so I think it's better from that coming from just someone who hasn't been involved in writing it um, and is and, learning it for the first time for a reason yeah, kind of thing, and, yeah. It, and it's and it's do dealing with all the problems that, that they will deal with. So hopefully he's going to get back to me and, and we'll, we'll cooperate on um, a PHP 7 one because that's what I really want people to use because uh, PHP 5 is just dead to me. <laughs> yeah, well, that's exactly it. And, and actually speaking about PHP 7 stuff more, is the inspector project that you've been working on? Because I know I noticed that yeah a little bit of activity on your uh, GitHub there for that. I'm just wondering like, for the audience, what can you just give them a brief overview of what that is? Yeah, it's um it's basically a disassembler. Um, it shows you um a kind of human readable representation of the internal um in representation of a of a function. So the internal representation of a function is based on opcodes. Each instruction is an opcode, and it shows you what the name of the opcode is and um, whether it uses temporary vars or compiled variables or, or variables or constants and things like that. And it, it allows you to break down a function into uh, that kind of detail, which is useful for uh, learning, firstly, and... Um, it's sometimes useful for debugging if you don't understand. Um, uh, you know, Zend Optimizer actually changes func- uh, changes opcodes, so that um, it might actually your code might behave differently with or without it. So it's a good debugging tool there because you can see what the opcodes are with it. You can actually what, see, uh, yeah, what the the result, the end and output actually uh, is. I'm kind of hoping that um, I'm not very good at front end stuff, like things you actually like look at. Um, so I'm hoping someone's going to do like a more front-endy version of that. Sebastian, the guy who um, wrote PHP Unit, um, he seemed interested in uh, a kind of static analyzer um, type type tool that he wrote before, and that was based on some old extension that's not maintained anymore. Um, so that's kind of what it's aimed at, that kind of that kind of tooling. 
Um, so that's what that is, yeah. That's cool. And is this is this all possible due to the AST now in PHP seven? No, no, it doesn't use the AST. Oh wow! Because the AST gets destroyed. So by ah, run- this is the output of sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah. By runtime, um, it's not actually there unless you do something fancy. And if you do something fancy and keep it around, you're going to suck up loads of memory because the AST is just is designed to be allocated and then destroyed and not kept around. So it's not like like super efficient, you know, as a storage mechanism of information. It's not super efficient. Um, so this literally disassembles the code from yeah, yeah that's actually generated from the AST. So you could have done it in uh, PHP five as well. And what kind of drove uh, drove you to do it, drive this you to do this? Then was there a pressing that uh, issue you had, or you just felt like it was a cool idea? Uh, well, well. Um, there was um, a thread on Reddit about serialising functions. You could use it to do that. Or, well, it's. Start- I know that there's a there's a there's a composer uh, package that you're able to serialise closures. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah, um, and then you serialise func. That would be very yeah. Closures just a f- um, a closure is basically a, yeah. a function. It is an object, but you can get the f- internally. It's a, yeah. it's a function. Um, so it started out as that, so that you could trans. You could, the idea was that someone else could write the PHP library that allowed you to disassemble and then reassemble. But there is a problem with that, in that um, it's hugely complicated to reassemble it afterward after you've disassembled it because um, because Zend is a mess. <laughs> each chop code. Each chop code is supposed to have um, one or two operands and then a return value. And then each operand can have um, meter information attached to it. So can the return value. And the usage of the meter information is extremely inconsistent. So that no one can write a... You couldn't write a nice neat table saying, so for the Zend Adop code, it's got, it's got um, op1 and op2, or left and right if you like. And then um, the return value, which is the result. And um, you can't write a table that describes each opcode in that much detail and more, saying what the meter is in, in op1 and what the meter is in op2 and what the meter is in op3 and what they mean. And sometimes they're addresses and sometimes they're relative and sometimes they're absolute and sometimes it depends on what architecture you've got and what... Um, you know, compiler you've got and things like that. And so it's so complicated and so inconsistent that reassembling it is just, it's not feasible. Um, it's just not feasible. So I gave up with the reassembler. Um, but the, um, already Sebastian had said, oh, I like the idea of a disassembler because that would allow me to statically analyze it and do this thing. So I thought, well, I'll move. Uh, initially, the, assemb- the disassembler and assembler started as u- in UOPS. And then I thought, well, I'll move it out to a different extension, and so I'll work on it a separate um, for for that. Um, so yeah, that's how it started. That's really cool. That's really, really interesting. Have you got any other kind of like? Because the static analyzer, then. So how how would that kind of work then? You would each function, then it would. Oh well, um, it would uh, use reflection and whatnot to find out what functions were were in a actually. Um, Inspector can disassemble a global function or a class or a function 
So it would most likely be like, like a class-based like OOP thing. Yeah. Um, so it would just give you it would give it a list of classes to to um, disassemble, and then it would loop through the disassembly looking for um, things that it doesn't like, uh, such as dead code and um, comparing uh, values of a different type or uh, passing a variable of a certain type to a function that accepts a different type and things like that. Um, so you can tell that from just the assembled code. Obviously you can tell that, but um, that that's the kind of thing I suppose he would be doing with it. That's cool. And um, and another project you uh, work with is APCU. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, well, you know, full credit to you because today, you know, you sent out a tweet saying that you'd well and truly effed up. Um, and, but then someone replied and, and, you know, I was about to like it before we just did this podcast, you know, saying, well, you know, it's as big a thing to fix the problem as it is to admit to the problem. Well, sorry, as big a thing to admit the problem is to fix it as well. So fair credit, you know, and you've released a blog post on it and it just what, you know, kind of people, you know, who have either read the blog post or not read the blog post yet, kind of explain what, what's happened kind of there. Okay. Well, um, APCU is just the user part of APC, so that you can just cache variables. When um, it was decided that Zend would get opcache, I basically took over the maintenance of APCU, and I'd done it in quite a flurry. I do most things in quite a flurry. I do them quite. Was this quick. was this a work problem that you need you needed it for as well, or no, just felt no. No, this was a, this was a, um. The community's gonna need this. Yeah. Still, yeah. No, absolutely. And people still do use it. Oh, we were using it, you know, still recently. It genuinely, it genuinely was, um, it genuinely was, uh, a case of, um, this needs to be done by someone and no one was coming forward to do it. And, um, it's, uh, although it's a cache, it's kind of a, it's in my area because it deals with concurrency and, Things like that. So, I um, I took a flip through the code and I understood it, and so I thought I would put myself forward to do that. And so the first night, I just kind of got it working and kind of reviewed it, and then I decided that it was a mess, and it was a mess. It is a mess. Um, not, not APC is not, but APC is a mess. Um, it's got um. All the, all the code for like, um, APC fetch, say, is just inline in the PHP function. Um, and this makes it, this makes it really quite difficult to understand and diff- impossible to reuse. And, uh, um, so what I'd done was I decided I was going to tidy up locking and I was going to, I was going to tidy up all of the rest of it so that you could, cause APC is based on a really quite clever, um, memory allocator. Well, it's quite a standard memory allocator, but it's also well tried and tested. Um, so, how, how does that work then? It just the, kind the of memory allocator. Well, yeah. it, it uses shared memory. It uses shared memory. Um, so that's different from normal memory because normal memory can't be shared across processes. Shared memory, mapped memory can. Um, so, when you're given a chunk of a mapped memory, it'd be like a chunk like 32 megabytes four megabytes or whatever and 
like you, you only allocate like 32 bytes at a time. So the allocator takes care of the, the chunk of memory for you and, and deals it out in little bits. Like, like malloc does, um, yep. in, in C. Um, so I wanted to save, I wanted to save that. And more than that, I wanted it to be reusable in other extensions because other extensions like opcache and, um, other extensions need this functionality of map memory shared between processes. So I wanted to reuse it in other extensions. And, um, so I made an appy out of it and I, I tore apart the code into little tiny pieces and put it all back together really tidily like I'd written it. And, um, it was all great. And like Rasmus looked at it and he was like, Oh, great. Good work on that. Um, and everyone thought it was, it was great. And we, 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 we pushed it to Peckle and it's been out there for like a few years now. And then, so quite a few people, um, have opened bug reports and they can't give me reproducing code and they can't describe in enough detail to me what, what causes the problem. But they're all the same kind of phantom bugs that you get when you've got problems with concurrency. So I've read this code over and over again over the last, since the first pull request, since the first bugs opened about two and a half years ago of this, of this nature. And I've read the code and I've read the code over and over and over. And I observe that in a couple of places, it looks like it uses, um, Either mutual exclusion, which used to be the default for APC, but when we released APCU, we made, I made the default read write locks. And it looked like when read write locks were used that sometimes a read lock would be acquired and a write would be performed. And I knew about this and I thought, well, APC does it and it's been deployed for years, and if I change it, it's going to change the performance characteristics of the cache. And then, about a week ago, I just decided, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to fix it and change the performance characteristics of the cache. There's no point in a cache that's fast, but breaks every so yep. often. Um, so, i just done it, and I fixed it, and I thought, right, this is what we'll do. And then I was writing a blog post this morning about um, the different types of lock-in, and the the benefits that exclusive locking has over read write locking, which I can explain if you want. But I was writing about that anyway, and so I was trying to make my argument. And I made a search on LXR, the thing that lets us search PHP code, and I realised that I had simply copied the code wrong, and I had never looked at the original APC code, I'd always looked at my my base branch, which was already highly modified, and I'd simply never looked it literally two lines. I'd never looked at them in the original code until this morning. And I realised while I was writing the blog post, I've just fucked up, I just copied the code wrong. And that 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 was what that was It what, happens to the best of us. That is that is what you're you know, you can get from this. Oh man. Yeah. I mean, but but now but now all these bugs that we've got they make sense. There's, so what, what were the what were the two lines then in like kind of a higher level? What what were they doing? Oh, okay. So there's um, a reference count on each entry in the cache, and so that um, okay. Say you do a find, yeah, on the cache, 
you do the find and you lock up, get a read lock, so that's shared, so um, you're not supposed to do writes. You get a read lock, you get the entry, then you release the read lock, then with the entry that you've got a read lock on, you um, you you increase the ref count with a read lock, but you do it atomically. At the old APC, you do it atomically. It, it, it increases the ref count, and then it copies the entry into the local re uh, request memory. PHP copies it into the request uh, memory, because you can't use it straight from shared memory. You have to copy it out. Yeah. And then you um, decrease the ref count. Now, the problem is that if it's not done atomically... Um, Ato and atomically uh, means, you know, do it all or do nothing at all. Yeah, well, it means do it and don't allow another process to do the same thing while I'm doing it and do okay. it... Do it um, atomically in in at, at once sort of thing, and don't let anything else happen while it's going on. So so that okay, so that when the garbage collectors um, go in in another process, the ref count might um, get decreased, but it doesn't see it. So it assumes it's not garbage anymore, but it is. Because another another process is just about it's just it's just decreased it, but it can't see it because it wasn't done atomically. So that's the problem. Stuff ends up um, staying in the cache and getting in a weird state, like it can't be collected because the ref count like gets below zero or something strange like that. Um, so that's basically what that's basically what the problem was: um, the ref count being increased and decreased with only a read lock acquired. Um, and not atomically. So and this is why those bugs hadn't been... Because I, I suppose you've probably looked at the APCU yeah. kind of issues and think, well, there's yeah. things aren't happening there. Yeah, I look at them... Every time I've got, like, a spare weekend, I think, oh, I've got to look at APCU. I do it... Literally, I, I must have done it 50 times over, <laughs> the, last, over <laughs> the last few years. Uh, maybe not... Fi maybe 30 times over the last few years, I've sat down... Listen, I've got some spare time, now I need to yeah. look at APCU. Yeah, and I've read the code of APCU, and I've read it over and over and over, and I just don't... I, I understand what, what, what's going on, but I just think, well, I can't change... I, I, like I said, I can't change it. It'll change the way the cache performs, and people might be relying on that, and it, I'll get complaints saying, oh, it's really slow, or it does weird stuff. And But then I just thought, I'll just do it. I'll just do it, because the solution's better than no solution. But yeah, that's that's what that's what the mistake was. I just copied a couple of lines of code wrong, and a bit of... um. You know, a bit of uh, a few macros. Just oh don't... man, it happens to the best, as I say, man. And and because yeah. and, and your blog post was really interesting actually, because you you gave a brief explanation like of all of the different types of uh, you know like locks and kind of things like that. And I was just wondering, like, it, would it be alright just to go through them, maybe, kind of like just expand on what you know each one of them? Yeah. So the most basic, like everyone knows about, is file locking. Um. So that's, I uh, don't really think I need to explain that. That's like, um, F-lock and things like that. Uh, so nobody really wants to use that, but it's there for history's sake and for people that are using PHP on like really weird embedded systems and things like that. Um, and then there's mutex, which is, um, means mutual exclusion and they're exclusive locks so that, um, 
if one process acquires the lock, no other process can acquire the lock um, until it releases it. And then there's read-write locks where um, only a write's exclusive. So if you acquire a write lock, no one else can read and no one else can write while you have the write lock. But read locks are shared so that um, many people can acquire a read lock. So this increases performance by, obviously, if you've got entries where you write them and then for the rest of their lifetime you just read them. They don't get updated. They don't, they're not high frequency. Um, so this increases performance massively because you don't have to lock. You, you, in effect, you don't, you don't have to lock because all of your processes can read the same entry at the same time. Um, and then there's um, spin locking, which is like the worst thing in the world. Yeah, so what, what is spin locking then? Um, it's because I've never heard of that one. Um, it's basically a a, a, a busy wait loop, a, a predicated busy wait loop. So like a, a a while condition continue, <laughs> and it just goes over and over in the loop until the condition changes, and it literally sucks the hell out of the P- the CPU. It will yeah. literally one hundred percent. What is the, what, the why is what what use case would they need that? <laughs> well, believe it or not, believe it or not, PostgreSQL are really quite popular. So yeah, well, we use that in production. <laughs> um, but it's their it's their code. All right. Um, for some reason, e- everyone knows that writes multi-threaded code in C that spin locks are crap. I mean, if I just described it to you there, and you know it's crap, <laughs> you don't have to have ever used one. Um. You can tell that that's going to be crap. I mean, there's no way for it not to be crap. But they, they at one point preferred it over a mutual exclusion and and read write locks. I have no idea why. Do you know if it's still in production use there, or that is their code? Um, is it was it just copy and pasted over essentially? Well, it's code in the public domain sort of thing, but it's originally from. Um, Postgres. I mean, in in 2011, people are still writing about spin locks in Postgres. Wow. But but it might not be the same spin lock. Um, it might be a an evolved version of it that rather than continue, it waits. Uh, well, it sleeps rather than continues, and then it 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 wakes up based on some other condition. I don't know about it anymore, but I know that the one in in APCU, which is originally from Postgres, is so. So, why did APC uh, like have all these different ways of doing it? Was it because of the based on the fact, like, oh, file? If you had to use file, yeah, it's, yeah. Ju- it's just based on that, basically. Um, another thing is uh, now a mutex and a, and a read write lock. Them being able to be shared among processes is not common among all implementations it's it, it is quite common in the sense that today it's it usually okay to rely on that but it's old code and um it wasn't always it um freebsd you can't share i think to this day you can't share mutex across across process um boundaries it doesn't allow it um so that the spin lock is the only option in those cases 
Uh, it's better. Uh, than, it, it might be better than a file lock. It might perform better than a file lock. So that's why then you'd use that kind of way. Yeah. Um, for embedded systems and weird systems where things like normal stuff like shared mutex are not available. That, but, that, well, at least that makes sense, kind of. Yeah. At least, you know, yeah. like to make it possible. Yeah. Um, I've only just remembered that about FreeBSD while we were talking about it. But, yeah, yeah. No, that, that makes some more sense. I remember I remember someone reported a bug on FreeBSD and then I, compi- I compiled it there just with the default options and it came up, it was going to use spin locks and I thought, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I was reading about it. And it was, yeah, it was the reason was I looked at, you know, um, what it could be and then it turned out the reason was that they don't allow, for security reasons, for you to share a mutex across process boundaries. You've got to use some other, some wow. other. And then, as you say, like that's st- still better off performance-wise than uh, than using file-based locking. It, so it might, used... it might be, um, and like today, that's a bit laughable because of SSDs and stuff. But it might have been, um, you know, all them years ago when everyone was still using big clockwork discs. Yeah. So. <laughs> and another thing with APCU actually is the APCU entry function that you've added. You were discussing. Oh, okay. I was wondering, well, like, giving an, like an overview of that. Yeah, well, okay, so the problem is, normally, your usage of a cache will look like, um, um, you, you, you check for, you, you try to fetch an entry by name, and if it doesn't exist, you do the work to generate the entry, and then you store it. That's it, yep. Now, obviously, if you've got a, if you've got, um, dozens, hundreds of processes, when they all start up and they all first get their request, they all do the same thing. So, while the first process, before the first process has got to the bit where it writes, all the other ones are going to be executing that same expensive code that you wanted the result of caching. They've all, yeah, because they've all started off saying, oh, we, none of us have got this in the cache. Yeah. Brilliant. So Let's all start this it. horrible work. So they all do it. And then within like a second, um, APCU will stop them writing, actually writing the cache entry, but they still generate it. They yep. still do. Execute. They've still done all the hard work of actually yeah. making it. Writing the entry is extremely cheap. It's generating. It's generating the entry. This yeah, is generating that value. Um, so the problem is that you release the lock. Obviously, when you come out of the call to APC fetch, you can't hold a lock on the cache, um, so that all the other code parts are. All the other processes are free to travel the same code path and do the same work. So the idea was completely separate from this locking stuff. The idea was to give you a way to atomically warm the cache so that one process, no matter how many, say you've got, I mean, dozens is quite conservative, um, estimate of how many processes you might need. Some, some servers have got hundreds of processes. So only one of them gets to actually do the generation and all the others will block while it does the generation but the thinking is that if it's a common entry like a common thing is um a common thing is everyone uses distributed um caches now like um, memcached or whatever so a common thing is to pull stuff from memcached and keep it in the shared cache if it's not high frequency and it doesn't you don't need to keep it in the distributed cache um, it, it's cheap. It's cheaper and reduces the traffic on the distributed cache. If you fetch some stuff like configuration and that kind of thing out of a local APC cache, 
So the idea is that you can do that atomically, so that only one of your processes will hit Redis, not every, you know, hundreds of them or dozens of them. Um, so that's the idea behind it. It allows you to atomically fetch or generate an entry, and it's useful um, for for atomic warming of, of the cache. But it, it's not intended to replace normal usage. It's just dealing with this use case that's, you know, the stampede yeah. and herd kind of thing. Yeah, the stampede problem. Um, and 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 then the, the so the signature of that is like you know the key and then you have a callable or uh, that you're able then to call yeah, or gen- close it, yeah a generator that, that, that not an actual generator in the PHP sense just like a, a function that generates the value to cache and it just accepts the key the name for the cache entry and then whatever it returns is cached and with with a uh, and then returned so no that's really cool man that's awesome work. Um, is there? I just want to say, like, is there any other things you've been? I mean, you've been by the sounds of it, you've been really busy with like APCU and things like that, and UOPS, and just wondering, like, is there anything on the PHP seven horizon that you've been working on, like, kind of settings like, like the U string stuff? Have you been able to do more work, more work on that? I actually haven't had any time to work on U string. Um, I've got. Um, I'm supposed to be doing two RFCs, but I just haven't really had the time. I haven't really had the time to work on any of them yet. Um, I've done quite a bit more work on pthreads, just tidying up the appy and stuff, and bump the version number. Uh, but no, I haven't had time for anything else, really. Gearbox is taking up all my time. I can, I can imagine that, yeah. I can definitely imagine that. And um, and what else was I going to actually ask um, is what what, like, kind of... Like things, do, do you kind of vision you want to do like in PHP next? Like, have you got any ideas? Because I know that you've, you're stabilizing on like P threads and you're sta- you know, and, like UOPS and stuff. Is there anything because now you're maintaining those projects? Yeah, and you're in more of a maintenance mode. I know you did like a massive shift on like the P threads three stuff, you know, like the way it was done there. But like, is there any like kind of things you want to solve? Any problems you want to solve? Any work based problems that you need to solve? Kind of new project wise things that are coming around? Well, um. I'd like to have um, a bit of time to look at um, the JIT problem, uh, but it's really complicated. And I don't yeah, because I know Anthony's been working on bits of that, hasn't he? He, he you and him both uh, kind of work together to get Jitfu kind of working. Yeah, well, I mean, we've played with it. Um, we haven't really got a, um, a solution. I think, I think um, it's probably time to actually start looking at. Uh, as a proper Zend implementation rather than some to- I mean we made some toys and that and they're interesting and they taught us a lot but um, I think to take it to production it needs to be like as low level as possible and I know a lot about I know a bit about it I don't know a lot about it I know a bit about it but um, LLVM is like the most complicated thing in the world it's huge and it frequently changes and um I don't know I haven't I haven't spent a lot of time with it and I can't really justify um spending like work time on it. So it's gonna it's something I'm I'm It's a pet project more yeah, than anything. I'm thinking about doing it at weekends or maybe taking a few days off to have a look at it. But um I'd like to look at that because um, I think uh it'll either it'll either it'll happen in one of two ways, either no one gets involved and Zen will do it on their own, which is fine and everything, but... you end up with what we have with PHP Next, where it just kind of appeared out of nowhere. No one understands it. 
except for a handful of people and, and, and it's really difficult then to actually develop it and it takes everyone else months and months to catch up. It would be better if um, we kind of did it in the open where a few of us done a bit of research and then we pulled it together and we tried to just develop it like organically between us rather than um, one person's vision because um, one person's vision is not likely to ever you know, be the same as a, a big group of people in any in any subject so um that's i'd like to spend some time on that it'll either happen one way or the other either then we'll do all of it or we, some of us are going to have to you know get started um before it gets to happen the first way whereas then just do it so do you, do you feel this is the next like step kind of thing well no having... i think um because there's been significant improvements with PHP seven on its yeah. own, hasn't there? You know, that like speed yeah. wise, it's that that's the selling point. You say for DevOps and people like that. So yeah, I think um, Z- Dimitri is then just talking about um, seven point one as a target, but I don't think this makes any sense. I don't think um, I don't think we need to make it that complicated so quickly. Uh, I think it'll probably be a seven, a version seven. It won't have to wait until version eight, but I don't think. He imagines it's going to be a, an extension, or, or like an extension of Opcash, which it, I don't think um, I don't think it can be. Um, yeah, because because internally, could it be that way that you could? Well, just... Yeah, I mean they've implemented one. It could be that way, but I don't think that's the best way to do it. I, I think the best way to do it is have it be as as close to Zend as possible, mm. rather than rather than inventing new hooks and trying to manipulate Zend in the way that. Um, extensions have to do to get work done. It would be better if Zend had a way to switch modes and Zend could do everything independent of what extensions were loaded and in what order and whatever, how they configured and whatever. Um, it would be better if it just done it, um, without, without extensions. That would just be better. No, that sounds brilliant. That, so that sounds like interesting things upon the horizon in for you. Yeah. And, and maybe another thing to look at might, might be, um, there's a lot of talk of um, introducing like native support for async functions. That would be because I know you've been working. Your promise stuff is you know really cool. Yeah, that that that, that works on the premise of like p threads and stuff yeah. like that, doesn't? Yeah, yeah, it's parallel. It wouldn't be that. Um, it can't do parallel, but I mean Zen can't on its own do parallel. So it would be just like what HHVM has or C sharp or. All these newfangled languages, <laughs> but no, it's it is good. I mean, it is cool. But I just I question whether we've already got ways to do that with generators, and I just question whether we're really going to get anything more out of it by kind of repeating, duplicating a lot of the, the functionality. It's kind of it's another scheduler, and we've kind of already got a way to do that to schedule code. And I kind of don't know if it's going to make sense, but. I don't Do you know. feel that there could be a, just a library or a built on top of like generators that well, could deal like, with this? There yeah. is, there's, there's many, there's, there's at least two that I know of, um, AMP and Icicle that are really good. And, um, I, I'm not really sure whether it's a good idea to make it so complicated that only a few of us can work on it. I think better that we provide the tools and the actual implementation comes from the community so that's it user land where people can you know work on it yeah yeah. because um because it's another thing that you then have to maintain you know as opposed to just providing the infrastructure that allows other people to build on top 
and it's not just that as well. It's kind of um, everyone that develops PHP obviously uses it, but uh, we may not use it in the same ways that everyone else does, and it, it kind of makes more sense for the people that use it in the normal way for for them to develop how it should be rather than rather than us decide how it should be and how it should work and um what it should do. I just think it would be better for it would be better for the community if the community done that and that's what, you know, these the projects in the open can do. I mean PHP's in the open, but just by virtue of the fact that it's gonna be C and it's gonna be complicated C. There there's a bit more barrier to entry, isn't there? Yeah. Um so I just don't think I, I think uh there might not be anything to gain from it and I would rather I would rather, you know, I had to go and someone else had to go and a few of us had to go at it and we we can either see this is going to work, this is going to um, give us a a decent improvement over, like it's such an improvement that um, it, it, the the argument from from the the organic community implementation goes away. It's just, if, if it's so much better that it has to be done, then it has to be done or if, it, if, it, if we find out what I think we're going to find out, that there's no point, then there's no point. And we don't have to complicate Zend. No, but, that makes complete sense. Yeah, we should probably get the work, work done because it's going to be hard work. And it's probably, it's going to take more than one of us, probably. So. Yeah, exactly. And well, Joe, again, thanks so much for your time, man. I really appreciate it. It's nice to have a catch up and, you know, kind of talk about these things and what you've been up to. So, yeah, I mean, is there anything else you'd like to kind of mention to the audience? Anything you want to plug or. Uh, Apart from your blog. Oh, yeah. Read my blog if you want. (laughs) Awesome. All right, then. Well, audience, it's been a great episode. uh, Great talking to you and for you listening to us. Um, And, yeah, so we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to Three Devs and a Maybe. You can contact us at contact at threedevsandamaybe.com. Or follow us on Twitter at the number three, Devs and a Maybe.